Welcome to the Hey You Got This podcast. We are your co-hosts in all things wellness weirdness, and I am Tricia. And my name is Lizzie, and today we are unpacking the fitness industry, the good, the bad, the ugly, the misconceptions, the toxicity, the good stuff, you know, just a super light, short episode. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot to cover. Yes, and I'm really excited, obviously, as someone who has actively participated and been a part of fitness culture and the fitness industry, I have a lot to say on the topic because I like to consider myself a fitness culture dropout. So kind of what I have done to separate myself from an industry that for me was really toxic and not helpful to my health. And so if you feel like... uh, you have gotten kind of sick of mainstream fitness culture, fitness media, especially as it's propagated on social media and Instagram, you're definitely going to want to take a listen to this episode because we're going to get nitty gritty and into all that down and dirty. Um, Down and dirty. You call yourself a fitness culture dropout. I think that's like so perfect for you. And it is like also you can love fitness and love wellness and love nutrition, you know, whatever your poison is not poison. You know what I mean? But not be like a monster about it. Yeah. And again, finding your own truth within like how you want to live your life, because I know I was super heavily influenced by the fitness industry as I got more into fitness and it wasn't until I was able to like separate myself from that for me to realize just how problematic it was for me. And like, not to say that there aren't great people spreading great messages in the fitness space, but just kind of, if we're going to break it down into like stereotypically what it promotes and what it's about, that is generally where I find there to be a lot of problems. Yeah. And it's so, I'm so glad we're talking about this because it's something I know we both think about it a lot, but as somebody who, you know, grew up being really active and was in college athletics, I have always had this concern about people who get into fitness later in life or even, you know, in high school or whatever, and are just using social media as their platform for learning because, and that was a huge part of why I created my platform is so much of the information out there is just bullshit and Mm -hmm. it's so frustrating. And I just worry about, you know, women more because that's kind of our, that's kind of our jam, but men too, just like these people who are getting all of their information from, I don't know, TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or these people who like, who knows if they even have certifications, they might just have Mm -hmm. like a really rockin' body. And it has always Mm -hmm. been something that really, really concerns me and also really irritates me. So I'm glad that we're tackling it today. Well, it's so idiotic. Like how many more videos of how to lose your belly fat, how to grow an ass. And it's like, guess what? Like that shit doesn't actually really work. And uh, if someone is claiming to be a fitness professional and telling you that kind of advice, run, because that is not how any of this works. And that, But that's just like so common in the fitness space. Like take these supplements do this workout and you will look like me. And the reality is, is that we all have totally different body types that react totally different to different types of stimulus and workouts and nutrition. And uh, it's so funny too, because I remember when I got really into fitness and one of the trainers at my gym was like, you should just sell a booty building program to make a shit ton of money off of that. And I like sat there pondering that. And I was like, well, I mean, like, yeah, that's true. But I never did that to because, be a influencer. <laughs> because I also understand that I had mass on my ass and that by working out, I made it more shapely, but it had nothing to do with the workouts that I did. Right. So yes, it's taking what you have and working with it. But in order for me to be like, yeah, if you just work out like I do, you're going to look like me like that is false. <laughs> um, I really like that you said mass on your ass. I've never heard that before. And that's like... <laughs> So perfect. I don't think I've ever said that before. It was, no, it was, it was like a catchphrase. Oh, I know what I was going to say. You and I have talked about this a lot, but like I, it really bothers me when I'll see these like really popular workout programs, like an ad for them and the form in the ad is just wrong. Like I'm like, this yes. isn't even a matter of opinion. This is straight up. You're doing this in a way. <laughs> yeah, you're doing this in 
in a way that's going to injure yourself or I know you and I have talked about popular fitness programs and doing them and being like, oh my God, this is like, it's not a matter of if you're going to get injured. It's a matter of when, because they're not, you know, built in a really thoughtful way around your body. It's just built for results and people go to those programs. And I know so many people who are like, yeah, I did the blah, blah, blah program. And now my knees are all fucked up or my back is all fucked up. And I really wish I hadn't done it, but you just don't know when you're starting out. Yeah. And I remember doing Kayla Eitzin's BBG and she's built like (laughs) a multi-million dollar business that profits from before and after photos and a workout program that is intended for petite women that already have a baseline level of fitness, but it's being marketed to the general population. And let me just tell you, if you have gone from not exercising to doing jump lunges, you are going to experience pain. And her program is built highly on plyometrics and just sweating and making yourself feel like you're getting a really good workout, but it's not necessarily what's going to be best for everybody's bodies, which is why like in all of my workout programs that I have, and I have like a free workout guide. And then I have my more in-depth program. But within these, it's always just about building a baseline of foundational strength that is going to take you through life. And I think that that's something that is so, so missed by fitness culture, because all it tells you is that it sells the idea of short-term results, and it completely neglects the idea of long-term health. And that's something that I'm a huge believer in. Like we're doing this for life guys. And if I'm going to give you a program that you can only do between the ages of 20 to 29, because once you get older, it's going to fuck your body up and cause you to have pain and discomfort. Like that doesn't help anybody. Like how about we learn how to feel strong, confident, empowered, and good in our bodies in a way that we can take that knowledge with us through life and fitness culture really just sells a short on the dream of quick fixes and instant results when really it should be about health and longevity because ideally we all want to live long, healthy lives where we are mobile and active and can like maintain our bodily like movement and functions as long into the aging process as we can. Totally. Yeah. And I also think, you know, you and I were talking about this as we were prepping today, but like part of are issues. And I think just an overall issue with the fitness industry is that they're very extreme. Like people who are leaders in the fitness space are very like, this is the formula to get results. And it's really great marketing, but it's like, yeah, I see this happen all the time. You know, I think this was like a, tr- a really big trend recently, but with like keto, like people would be like, this is the diet. Everyone must do the diet. And it's like, keto could not work for your body for a variety of reasons and this languaging that it's like, or this messaging, excuse me, that it's like the formula or the only way is it's really, really damaging. It is. And I think that that is something that is rampant in the fitness industry is that it often glorifies disordered eating or over-exercising as like the holy grail of what it takes to be healthy. And it's like, actually, disordered eating isn't healthy and over-exercising isn't healthy either. And the whole old tired rhetoric of no pain, no gain is actually highly problematic and you don't have to be in pain in order to see results and to feel good in your body. And most of what you're being shown and what's being promoted as a healthy lifestyle is honestly a very imbalanced and time-consuming lifestyle, which is something that I think is important to realize when people are like, just work out like me and eat like me and you will look like me. That's person's profession. It doesn't take into into account that that's their full-time job. And imagine if you had the full-time job where your only goal or mission was to work out and make sure that you were eating all the right foods and that you had the resources and the time available to you to commit to that. Because Again, that's something that I see a lot of in the fitness industry is that uh, they sell the idea that physical health is merely an individual choice in diet and exercise. So it's like, yeah, you just are choosing to be lazy and unmotivated and you're choosing not to care about your physical health and uh, like not to get too deep into it, but it forgets the impact of like socioeconomic status or structural issues. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, like 
not everyone has the same access to fresh food, to healthcare, to having the time to meal prep and have a personal trainer or things like that. Like that, that honestly being able to focus that much on the aesthetics and working out is honestly a privilege. And it's not, and I don't think that it's being sold as a privilege. It's being sold that if you don't have that privilege, that you are therefore lazy, unmotivated, and are choosing to be unhealthy. This totally is reminiscent of our fat phobia episode. But it is, I feel like often people, you know, fitness or wellness could be such a part of someone's life or have changed their life in such a positive Mm -hmm. way. That of course. then, you know, their messaging gets to be like, this is just like a non-negotiable for your life. And it's like, what if that person's working a ton of jobs or has like chronic pain or has injuries, you know, or had like, I, I can name so many people who have come to my classes or who I've worked with or who I just know who were like, yeah, I went to yoga and the teacher like gave me an adjustment that really hurt myself or like I had an instructor or a trainer, like grope me, you know, we have to take into consideration all the people who have had really traumatic fitness experiences too, because that is such a thing that no one talks about. Like think about all of the traumatic, like early two thousands, late nineties gym teachers, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like that's, that's very understandable that maybe people don't want to get back into fitness because of some traumatic experience they had when they were 13. Yes. And it made me really sad. I read this article a while back and it was like literally just multiple, like dozens upon dozens of accounts of women who stopped doing what they were doing because of like how uncomfortable they felt in the space. And like, I stopped like people being like, yeah, I used to go for a run. But then like once I got followed to my home and therefore I stopped running and it's like oh my gosh that's really terrible like how sad that other people are making others feel uncomfortable to even pursue that so it's just like there's so much that goes into it that it is not just this one size fits all and this is what it takes to be healthy and this is what you should look like in order to be healthy and understanding that we are all unique little snowflakes Mm -hmm. that have our own unique bodies and our own unique experiences experiences and that this blanket advice of like just follow this diet and do this exercise just does not paint the whole picture and it's interesting because with the rise of the popularity of the fitness industry and the health and wellness space and stuff you would imagine that perhaps as a nation as a world we would be getting healthier but it seems like uh, we are not necessarily able to do that and so it just goes to show that like it's not as simple as just shut up eat more vegetables and do more exercise that is not something that works for everybody and really doesn't take into account a lot of other factors and like we're not all Khloe Kardashian who can get her revenge bod by getting very expensive plastic surgery having a private chef and having a personal trainer and all the time and the money to spend and, and dedicate towards that like, yes. yeah totally so many things and that uh, when you see them which like I love that there's people who are very very against like skinny tea and waist trainers and like the problematic products that are being pushed by quote unquote influencers. And it seems like that is taking a bit more of a like nosedive in the industry. Like it isn't happening as much anymore because people are speaking up about it being really toxic and problematic to promote skinny tea for weight loss when what got you to experience the weight loss is a whole lot of other stuff and that it's like really just selling a lie. And I think you made a really good point and you can probably say it better than I did, but about the like, look at who is going to be profiting from giving you this information. And I think, yeah, I don't know if you want to dive into (laughs) that because I found that part really, really interesting. Like follow the money and like, is this messaging actually helpful? Yeah. So by the time you guys listen to this, I'll have the slides posted on Instagram as well. But I saw something and I think about this a lot too. um, But I saw something right before we recorded our fat phobia video that was like, look at all of the 
you know, CEOs or founders in the diet industry. And it was all these like serial entrepreneurs. The majority of them were white men. I think actually all of them were white men, but I don't want to like misquote that. But it was, it was that reminder that like fitness and the diet industry, like these are businesses and industries. And I, something I also always like to remind myself when I'm like really being pressed, like you have to have this protein powder, you have to, you know, do this whatever class I'm like is that because I actually want to and I've heard someone with like really great results or is the marketing for this just like fire awesome marketing that's really appealing to like my insecurities and my needs you know I mean I work in marketing you can target the shit out of people online it's so easy to do and so that's something that I've really been practicing myself lately is just trying to observe like okay is this being marketed to me would I actually do this otherwise who is profiting or benefiting from me you know having this belief or making this purchase yeah and I think that that is something that we all could be more conscious consumers even in like the content we consume as well as the money we invest in products that it can be really easy to buy into the sexy marketing which is so crazy because when I got into the fitness industry I started following this girl Katya Henry I think her um, handle was, and she at the time was a rep for a supplement company. And like, I immediately bought $200 worth of fat burners and supplements from this company. Cause I was just like, okay, like she is the epitome of the fitness industry. And if I want to be successful, I need to look like her. And uh, if I buy these products, then I'm going to look like her. And I like totally bought into that false belief that this is what's going to get me from point A to point B. But like really at the end of the day, I can promise you being sold the lie that losing weight or looking a certain way is going to bring you happiness, acceptance, and self-love is like the biggest lie of our time that keeps us obsessing about the wrong things. And that honestly, that is one of my biggest problems with the fitness industry is that it just really perpetuates this lie that you can only be happy and healthy in a certain body size and that aesthetics is the most important thing. And you know me, guys, hashtag we are more than our bodies. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) but I do think it's like, you know, you were just starting out and I see this happen time and time again. And I totally like respect and understand how this happens to you and other people. You get into fitness. You don't know what you're doing or like what you should be doing. The next steps Mm -hmm. you should take. You see somebody who seems really trustworthy and seems like goals. And, you know, she has her, this is my exact regimen or whatever, the exact Mm -hmm. stack of supplements that I take every day. And it's like, oh, well, I'll just do that because it's easier. And if she does it, it must work. And I mean, I could talk about just like influencers and our, you know, responsibility. Uh, Maybe that'll have to be like another episode. I love it. I think so. But I think that, you know, that's something I see that happen time and time again where people are like oh well you know my sister's cousin is an instagram bikini model or whatever and she takes these so i take them and it's like are you taking them because you actually think that like that would do you good or because she is skinny and therefore you feel like you should take the same things as her i don't know i've been really trying to like ask myself these questions lately in regards to fitness and wellness like am i you know doing this workout because i want to or because i saw somebody post about like bikini season is only blah 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 days away ladies Mm -hmm. you know like follow your thought path and it can be really hard to dig into but like constantly just be taking stock and paying attention Mm -hmm. to your thoughts and your purchases because the psychology behind marketing is really in-depth and really advanced and it's easy for marketers as somebody who works in marketing to like trick you into thinking that you have to have these things. I have done, I've had different coaches and I've learned different things from marketing and I'm by no means a marketing expert, but it's definitely a lot of times people use fear and insecurities to sell you a product. So if you can just get curious with yourself, which is something I think is so important and that Lizzie and I, when it comes to developing like a mindfulness practice, like you said, like reflecting and asking yourself those questions, you're going to maybe be able to uncover like, whoa, this is actually just like a false belief that is being sold to me. 
by somebody that I think I need to look like or be like in order to have the good things in my life that I want to have and really being able to critically think about what you are consuming. And also if it's toxic for you, like it's so easy to unfollow (laughs) accounts Uh, and not put yourself in front of the type of media that is like triggering your insecurities. And if somebody is not making you feel good about yourself, like freaking unfollow them. And I would be the first to say if I could travel through time or I don't, I don't even think this would require time travel, but (laughs) if my old Instagram account were to be like a different person, I would unfollow them. (laughs) I feel like that about my old Instagram account too. I'm like, I would unfollow that person so fast. Mm -hmm. Like, And again, it is nice. You had shared, no, I looked at you as like this inspiration. So like maybe there had been a tiny bit of good, but I promise you it didn't come with also a whole lot of bad that made a lot of people look at me and feel bad about themselves. And that is the last thing that I want to have happen. And again, I know I can't control that exactly, but I know that by promoting a different type of messaging that I feel more comfortable about the message that I'm spreading and that it is less problematic and less toxic than oh like got my booty workout like click the link for this workout like that doesn't actually help somebody totally (laughs) well and you kind of mentioned something earlier that made me think like you know I think that there it's hard for people to understand the difference between like this is hard because I'm growing through the growing pains of like learning how to do something new or whatever versus like this is hard for me because I just fucking hate it you know like any new workout any new like lifestyle dietary change is going to be uncomfortable at first just because you're getting used to it. But if it stays being something that you hate doing and that you resent doing, like that is a huge sign. Like if you say you want to get into running and you're just like dreading running for weeks and weeks on end, if that doesn't go away, like stop. And I think that's where the no pain, no gain thing really fucks with our head is we're like, I have to do this. And it's like, well, if it's like months into this running thing and you still hate running or if it feels terrible in your body or both, like stop doing it. Exactly. If you can't do it for life. And again, not that your interests and goals can't shift. Like I've gone through many different phases where I was super into yoga, where I was super into bodybuilding, where I was super into running and I got super into boxing and they've all been kind of in phases. But I think that that's what's like kind of cool about. I was just going to say that that you have the freedom to explore what feels good for your body in the moment. And I think this like hyper focus on bodybuilding and like that is what the fitness industry is like built upon and that it's all this like extreme regimented structured workouts and so then it makes people feel like the only workout worth having is one that is an hour to two hours structured where you're counting the reps and making it a mathematical project (laughs) Like if I times the percentage, my workload, I'm being able to increase my mass. But And it's like, oh my gosh, like when did we stop just like moving because it felt good? Yeah. And it's like good for your mental health. Totally. And I think it's, I just see that happen all the time where people get, you know, so fixated on these routines and like you just said a formula. I think that's such a good point of people get into this, like, I'm going to fast until this time. And then I'm going to eat this thing. And these are going to be my macros. And then I'm going to work out. And it's like, that is so much work. (laughs) Yeah. That requires so so much energy. Yeah. And it like, if you enjoy doing that, and if it like makes you feel whole in a really healthy way, like I enjoy meal planning. I enjoy knowing when I'm working out, but it can very quickly go into an unhealthy. Yeah. It can get into like an unhealthy version of that for sure. And I think that Also, something that is missing so tremendously from this industry is finding joy in movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that I I saw this word for the first time and it was like intuitive movement. And I was like, okay, yes, that's like, that's the word for what I want people to embrace because it isn't so much about like, you have to work out this way and it always has to be so structured. And that really just finding what feels good for you and feel good ways to move your body. And this can include plant exercise. Like I love my kettlebells and I love offering some structured 
tailored workouts for the people that I work with, but I also highly encourage them to find other ways of moving that feels good for them, like walks or hikes or dancing or yoga or stretching or breath work. And that it's all about learning to trust yourself, to know what your body needs so that you know when to challenge yourself and when to rest and when to push yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm not advocating complacency. I do believe that we are meant to push ourselves beyond just what is comfortable in life, that if you want to grow, you're going to have to step outside your comfort zone. Yes. But I also don't think it has to be so scary, strict and regimented as what the fitness industry is selling you that you have to follow this diet and that you have to follow this exercise program. Because honestly, that isn't, I I don't know, I would rather not suffer through endless amounts of workout for the arbitrary goal of a magical number on the scale. I would rather like wake up every day and do movement that feels good for me and feel good about myself than feeling terrible about myself because of how I look and feeling terrible about myself and forcing myself to exercise. But I think the fitness industry itself really uses a lot of judgment and shame and fear to motivate people to work out and eat better. And that doesn't make anybody feel no, good. <laughs> and it's so like, it's so aesthetic based as results versus like mental health, strength, better sleep, like better mobility. And so we put it against this benchmark of like, well, do you look better? Have you lost weight? Are you more toned? Great. You're a success. And then if not, it's like, try again, try again, you failed. And it's maybe you're not trying to lose weight. Maybe you're trying to gain weight. Maybe you don't care what you look like and you just want to feel like more comfortable in your body. But I think that's another thing to like, keep in mind with the fitness industry is even some of these more holistic programs, there's often an underlying tone of like, and your legs are going to get a lot thinner or like, and you're just going to lean out. And I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, just like the really extreme sides of the fitness industry and also how fitness has hijacked like wellness and all of these other things and Mm -hmm. made it like mixed it all together in a really convoluted way. So I'd love to hear you chat more about that. I agree because something that I, in my marketing, I try really hard to make it ethical and not to feel gross because there's a lot about this industry that grosses me out. So I'm like, okay, how can I encourage people to want to work out and feel good about working out? So one thing that I came up with in my marketing is like shedding everything that's weighing you down. And I think that that is something that you may be carrying around extra weight that when you start to take better care of yourself, it's going to naturally come off. But it's really about the things that are blocking you from achieving your potential and living a life that you are proud and excited about. And like, yeah, those things are weighing you down. And we are going to work on releasing those things that are weighing you down so you do feel lighter. But that has nothing to do with the number on the scale. And I think that uh, we get confused as like a general population because within the fitness space and confusing it with health and wellness, people assume that health and wellness is associated only with weight loss. And this hyper focus on needing to lose weight to be healthy. And I think that if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably a little bit more open-minded to the idea that one size does not fit all and healthy looks different on a lot of different people and that it's not safe to assume somebody's health status based solely on their physical body. And I just, I really, really despise how the fitness industry just has a hyper focus on the aesthetics and your body. And I mean, I guess maybe, maybe the lesson at the end of the day is that if you want to be obsessed about your body and your looks, that is a great space for you to hang out in. And so like to each their own, I'm not trying to shame anybody within that space or people that work really hard to establish an amazing look for themselves. It takes serious dedication and mad props to the people out there committing their life's work to this pursuit. Everybody is welcome to make their own choices. It is just more so about like, what is this culture telling people about themselves and how can we break it down so that it becomes less problematic but like at the end of the day it's when it comes to marketing it is what sells like sex sells 
instant results sell. So like the fitness industry is a place where a lot of people can go to profit because it also is a place where you are going to feed on people's biggest insecurities. And so it is in fact a great place for people to make a lot of money. And so that's going to mean that there are a lot of predators and vultures and people that are there for no good. And so you really have to approach it with a discerning eye to understand the good from the bad and the helpful from the problematic. And uh, I just, before this episode ends up being over, like I think it's a perfect time to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart and how really truly one of the biggest reasons I have had to shift heavily away from that industry is because of just the over-sexualization of people within that industry. And I think that whether it's a man or a woman in that fitness space, they are viewed as objects. Like I obviously have more experience from the woman's side of it. And I don't follow, I never have followed a lot of male fitness accounts. So I really am not speaking to something that I don't have a lot of experience in, but I just want it to be known that I do think that the fitness industry, it does not pick a gender and it's not just women who suffer yeah, from objectification. Men suffer so much from it. Or from body image issues because of regular run-of-the-mill guys seeing these people with extreme physiques and not understanding that they're using steroids and that they are doing all this other stuff that they're not telling you about to look that way and then making you feel inferior because you don't look like how they look. And it breaks my heart to see human beings reduced to objects. Like that is something that just, when you talk about your sacred rage, that's my sacred rage. So like, I'm going to try and reel it in so that I don't spend the rest of this episode just like dominating on my thoughts on how the fitness industry really has become like, like I said, I've made posts like on my explore page. It's like fitness and it's just literally a picture of an ass. Yep. And I'm like, wait, when did that become fitness? Well, and it's so, that's like what I love about just the, t- the two of us and our friendship and like working together, but we just, we have such different, you know, like experiences in the fitness industry and like seeing things and just being like, wait, what, what is this? Like, yeah, this is not fitness. This is just like looking a certain way, or this is just a big butt, you know, it's, it's fascinating. And then these people are the people telling people how to work out. Like, I somehow stumbled upon this account and it's somebody with millions of followers. I don't know her name. She's Lewis Howe's boyfriend, or sorry, Lewis Howe's girlfriend. Okay. She's like this Spanish sensation. And I was just scrolling through her page. And like, besides the fact I was like, is this porn or is this, I, I don't know what I'm looking at. I like go on this video and she literally is in a one piece thong and she walks up to a resistance band, does two reps and that's the video like hashtag health, hashtag fitness. And I'm just like, again, this is not to shame people that show off their body on the internet. Like I've done it. I've been there. And like, I get that it's a complicated, complicated issue. So it's not about the people that are doing it that are problematic. It's just about a culture that makes it that there is a demand for this type of content that is the problem. And so it just is so shocking to me. And then I see her on this app, and I forget what it's called, but it was like this really highly popular trainer app that does have some good coaches on it, but it's also just solely fitness influencers. Mm. And I'm like, wait, like, yes, all these people have insane physiques and incredible bodies, but does that mean that we should be following their advice? Because last time I checked, like, she didn't look that way because she went to the gym in a thong and pulled on a resistance band for five seconds. And millions of people are seeing this and thinking so many different thoughts. Like, uh, this is why when I was a fitness influencer, all I got was jerk off videos and dick pics in my DMs. (laughs) And like wondering like, why is this happening to me? And I'm like, and again, like, I, uh, every person is empowered to make their own decisions and their own choices for what feels best for them. I just know that when I was doing that, it was definitely not what was best for me and it didn't make me feel good about myself. But I think that it really is like a meta 
message on just gender roles and what women are valued as in society is like lifting weights and being strong is outside of what's like the accepted gender script for women. So when you take somebody who wants to feel strong and empowered, but have them have a voice, a lot of women feel like their opportunity to be successful is directly related to their ability to objectify and over-sexualize themselves. That that's like the only path to be seen in that space is to be available, to be desirable, to satisfy the quote unquote male gaze by becoming sexually appealing. And uh, that this objectification, like uh, we can talk more about like objectification in a later episode, but I really just, I myself am personally fed up with just seeing workout videos that start with just a zoomed in picture of somebody's ass with their leggings so far up their butt. Like you can't even tell if they're naked or if they're wearing pants. Yeah. Their butt's like eating their leggings. I always am like, how is this comfortable? (laughs) It's not. These people don't work out like that. Like I can tell you first off, like how many videos I made where like I did something stupid and then went and did a workout that was completely unrelated. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I also like, I don't blame you because that is the example that we see in the fitness space. That's what we see on social media. And it's just like, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's anybody's fault for falling into this trap because it's like, yeah, that's what everybody's being told that they should do. You know, like I, I meet people all the time who we were talking about this a little bit before we recorded, but they might be people from my life, you know, who I haven't seen in a while who all of a sudden get really into fitness. And then we start talking about it and then they're like, yeah. And like, I'm buying these shakes from a pyramid scheme or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, I totally see how you could do that. Cause you just get like dragged into it, but there are so many other ways. And again, if you're part of an MLM, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think a lot of times people see that as their only option or because someone else is doing it and they don't realize that there's like all of this really great information available to them and other resources. They just see like, yeah, what a fitness influencer or some big name in the fitness industry is doing. And they think like, that's it. That's the only way. Um, something I always love to point out to people, especially when they're getting really fixated on their appearance is like, tell. yeah, I'm gonna, are you ready? Um, <laughs> is like when, you know, when I was in college, obviously I was like very, very fit. I was in the best shape of my life. But if you look at a picture of me, then I don't necessarily look like I didn't have like six pack abs or I don't immediately like rowing is also just kind of a weird sport, you know, rowing, you don't always necessarily look like super shredded, but I was so strong, but it wasn't necessarily like physique wise, like the most cut I've ever looked or like the most amazing I've ever looked. There was also a time in my life where I was running a half marathon, like every single month, I was so healthy and so active, but like, I just looked you know, I didn't look bad, but I didn't look like six pack abs, super lean Mm -hmm. and thin. I was very strong and I was very healthy and I was able to run like tons and tons of miles every week. And I just think, you know, there's a difference between being, having like lifelong fitness and functional fitness and being able to do all these things, like pick up really heavy kettlebells and put them back down versus just looking a certain way. And it's okay if you want to work out to look a certain way, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's also okay to really want to be strong and to be able to do all of these things and like not give a fuck about what that makes you look like to have these like physical, like, you know, achievements that you want to be able to do, like run a mile under a certain amount of time or lift a certain amount of weights and not have it be tied to aesthetics at all. And that's something that I think really, really gets missed in the fitness industry, especially with how we talk to women about it. Yeah. And think about before and after pictures. Most people especially like on Kayla Eitzstein's ones, I'm like, okay, so you took a skinny person and she got a little bit skinnier. Like, I don't get it. But anyways. Or this um, person just had a baby. Of course they look better. Like that's them like a week after they gave birth. Yeah. But it really misses the point that a lot of people look like the before pictures and they're perfectly healthy, capable, strong human beings. And that it's not that you have to have abs to be healthy. Again, as a woman... If you have abs, you probably don't have your period because in order to reach a certain level of body fat percentage to have visible abs usually goes below the amount of body fat your body needs to function and have hormones that 
make your body function the way it's supposed to. So you're creating like hormonal imbalances by having an aesthetic look and there is more to health than the aesthetic. And I think that that is one of the biggest crimes of the fitness industry is that it has tied health to aesthetics. And I think that aesthetics can be great. Like I think if you want to be a bikini competitor, do it. If that is something that lights you up and you feel strong and satisfied with your choice to be to compete in an aesthetically focused competition then I, like again do it but if you are just somebody who is feeling insecure and you don't know what to do so you're like well I'll just do that because then I'll be skinny and happy there are better approaches to fitness and to health and to feeling strong and to working out Mm -hmm. than following what mainstream fitness advice that you are being given and so honestly there's content out there for all different types of interests and uh, what you're looking for. So even if you may currently be following a lot of mainstream fitness culture, there's so many other accounts out there that are spreading a message that might feel a little bit more positive and encouraging to you. And it may not. It is definitely up for you to discern what is going to be best for you. But I know since starting to unfollow all fitness accounts, And to start following more holistically healthy, more balanced, more like how can we make sure that our physical, mental, and spiritual, financial, environmental health is in check and that I'm making efforts to take care of myself in all these buckets as opposed to just only focusing on the physical aspect, which is what the fitness industry does. And that there's a lot more to life than obsessing about your body and how it looks. And as somebody that like achieved what many would call a dream body, I was no close. I guess I was a little bit closer to finding love for myself because it was one of the first times that I actually was taking care of myself. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, even if it's not the greatest thing for you, there is something very satisfying about working really hard towards a goal like that. That makes you just so proud of yourself and love yourself so much. Even if the goal is like, not the healthiest that's still a satisfying feeling of being like look at what I fucking did this is amazing I can do anything yeah and so it felt good for a lot of reasons but I did it because I thought that it was going to lead to some place that it did not lead to (laughs) and I was not any closer to feeling worthy and lovable just because I was in a fit body and it's pretty crazy because again I know A lot of people would look at me and be like, oh my gosh, these body goals. And it's just funny because as I've gone away from like showing off my body and showing off my results, I feel so much better leading by an example of like the person I want to be as opposed to the person I want to look like. And a body really doesn't tell the whole story. And we are so much more than our bodies. Preach. (laughs) Well, and I've touched on this before, but like I was obsessive about my body and all of that jazz. And I had like this body that I loved and I was really thin, but then I got in a car accident and just like it was impossible to maintain. So it's also like... Well, yeah, placing your worth in something that can be taken away from you. Yeah, it can be taken away from you at any moment. There was nothing I could fucking do and it did, you know, I'm so thankful now for that opportunity because it made me find mindfulness and like self-care and all of these other things that I would not have found otherwise. But it was like, yeah, I was going all in on my body that I was obsessed with it. And you know, look where that got me. Like it wasn't productive. And then at the end of the day, I like lost it anyway. (laughs) So like, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. And at the same time, I think we both could agree. I am where I am at on my journey and I wouldn't have it any other way. And the vehicle that has taken me this far in life is wonderful and amazing for a lot of reasons, but it's not wonderful and amazing because it looks a certain way. I think we both had to go through what we went through to like learn the lessons that we were meant to learn. But I just know in my body now, I am definitely more at like a leveled out what I would say like maintenance weight, just where my body has naturally found itself to feel good in. And it is 15 pounds heavier than when I was super lean. And it probably is like 10% body fat higher than what it was when I was super lean but that I feel better about myself than I ever have. And that the 
pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that you're sold by the fitness industry that once you get abs, you're going to start loving yourself is a crock of shit. It is so (laughs) full of shit. And I just want to add before we finish up to something that I still am working on, but that I realized a few years ago is like fitness, health, and wellness are often all put in the same bucket and they are not Mm -hmm. the same thing. Like fitness is not wellness. Wellness is not health. Like health and wellness are two very different things. Mm -hmm. Like you can be really healthy and be really unwell. (laughs) You can be very fit and not be healthy or well. And I just think that like that is something that we're not often taught. Thank you. We don't see a good example of it. And I I think, you know, just through my own kind of journey, I had to realize that those are three very unique buckets and all need to be treated really differently. But I think, you know, you mentioned this, Stacia, that like the fitness industry has just hijacked those things and it puts them all together and they're not the same. So as you go through your life, guys, as you are on your fitness journey, your wellness journey, whatever, just keep in mind that those are, they're complementary, absolutely, but they're also all really different things. I think that I couldn't have said it better myself and what a fantastic well, way thanks. to wrap up this um, <laughs> this super exciting I'm and so wonderful conversation. I can just talk about this forever. <laughs> I know, Lizzie. I know. I feel the you. Mood. I feel like every episode we're like, oh, fuck, we should probably stop recording now. Um, Stacia, <laughs> What is your yay for the day? Okay, so I have to share something that is just so wild to me. And it is, uh, I think, one of my yay for the days that I shared on the podcast was finding a four-leaf clover the other day. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. But, like, wait, guys, it gets crazy. Wait, what? So... I had just finished up. I go on a walk every day with my sister and it's been such a wonderful part of quarantine, but I found this patch and I was just walking by and literally my eye just like found a four leaf clover. I wasn't even looking for it. And I was like, whoa, wild. This is crazy. And me and my sister were like, oh my God. And so then the (laughs) next day we were walking with my two nieces and we walked by the patch and all of a sudden we all stop and we all just start finding like copious amounts of four-leaf clovers. My one niece found a five-leaf clover, and my other niece found a six-leaf clover. No, she did not. That's insane. <laughs> and I didn't even know these things existed. And then every single time we walk past this patch, which, mind you, we see tons of patches, and I've never found a four-leaf clover, but this one patch now, ever since the one day where I found that one, I find at least three every time I just walk by it. Like, I don't even dig for them. And so it's like just this magical clover patch that uh, I have found a million lucky clovers in. And it just has been, I don't know, it's been a fun experience in the fact that, A, I remember always being like, I never find four-leaf clovers. And then finding this four-leaf clover is like, oh my God, this is so cool. So it's like a childhood dream come true, finding all these four-leaf clovers. And it also just made me feel like lucky and special and that I found this like magical patch that like anytime I need a four-leaf clover, I just walk by and the world gives me what I need, which is that sign that good things are here for you and good things are coming. So there was this like part of the field at Chautauqua, which is stationized middle or elementary school, not middle school, that like used to always have four leaf clovers. And it was like, okay, so, I did not know so about special. this. <laughs> yeah, it was like kind of by the kickball field. It was like really in the middle of nowhere, but I like for some reason just remember it so vividly. I really wish that I would have known that that existed because it took me a long time to find my first four leaf clover. Also, okay, you know what I think about all the time? Please <laughs> tell me. How at, in our elementary school, Stacia and I are from Vashon we've said that a million times our like playground was just in the woods and like they would just let us go into the woods yes. for like lunch <laughs> and now I think about that and I'm like stranger danger like, <laughs> and I remember there was this homeless man who lived in the woods and we would be like oh we saw him today and the teachers would be like oh. and now I'm like that would never fly now oh my god oh that kills me memories just man. had to bring that I mean, up so exciting to have people from Vashon listening to this podcast because it's always great when you guys reach out to us and are like oh my god I love when you guys talk about Vashon so here we are talking about Vashon here we are and Stacia's (laughs) on Vashon I'm so jealous (laughs) so yeah that is my yay for the day I love that I would love to hear yours my yay for the day is um so I did my like OG yoga teacher training like six or seven years ago now, which is wild to me. And then I just really focused on teaching for a really long time. And maybe like 
like last year or so I was like, I like miss teacher training. I miss like learning. And there's just like anything, so many different certifications you can get. And so this weekend I treated myself to a weekend long, it was on zoom, of course, uh, yoga teacher mm-hmm. training on yoga Nidra, which is like, um, kind of a form of meditation that like can help you sleep or it can also just be like really relaxing, but it was super cool. It was like very science-based. I learned so much about the brain and like brain mm. waves and like meditation yes. and like why it works and neuroplasticity. And, you know, some yoga trainings can be very like, I'm sure everybody has taken a class where it's like, if you do this pose, it'll like help your liver. And it's like, no, it won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this was very like science-based um, and a therapist helped co-lead it. So like we got to hear like, the therapy perspective on the brain and like guiding people through meditation and like how you can support people who have trauma. And it was just really fascinating. And I'm really glad that I did it. Okay. So next week, tune in because we will be discussing (laughs) yoga Nidra with our expert Lizzie. Oh my God. As I've like just (laughs) taken one weekend class on it, but it is, it is pretty cool guys. So look at it. I want to know all about this and I'm really dead serious that this is what we're going to talk about next week. Cause I want to know. I have this is like I took like 20 pages of notes this weekend because mm. it's just like beautiful oh, it's the coolest I'm really excited to get to like learn more and share it with people but the thing I loved about it is like I, I just said this but so much of yoga is like feelings based or very mm-hmm. very spiritual and this had that too but there was a lot of science behind it like they uh there's a guy who uses this method to help vets with PTSD and there's all these like scientific mm-hmm. medical studies on it it's really mm-hmm. cool so I love that. And I also love that you treated yourself to learning and bettering yourself because I think that that's so awesome. I know that last year for my birthday, I treated myself to like an all day course on my birthday and people are like, why are you doing that for your birthday? And I'm like, yeah, because I want to get better. And this is something I'm interested in learning more about. What a great birthday present to myself. So I just really appreciate that you also see it as treating yourself to getting to learn more. What a treat that that is. Yeah, I did (laughs) want to read. We, you haven't seen this one yet, Stacia, but we have a really good new review. I'm so excited. This one is from BRL underscore 2020. So if you are BRL underscore 2020, shoot us a DM or an email we want to send you some goodies it's a five-star review and it says love this listening to this podcast is like sitting down with two of your best gals and having juicy chats about life their episodes are relevant funny and packed with great information i listened to one and immediately started binging the others so good so Stacia and I are just going to cry into our microphones. But yeah, thank you guys so much. It means so much to us. And like we said, we will leave a review and subscribe. And then we'll be pulling reviews every episode when we have new ones and reading them to you and then sending you guys some, hey, you got this special goodies. So, so please, please. If you feel called in your heart to leave a review, they mean so much to us, not even from a business perspective, just from like what fuels us to keep us going every time. We get a personalized message or a review or a five-star rating. It keeps us just wanting to give and give more and keep showing up because getting this amazing, awesome feedback is just so encouraging and it does so much for us. So we just really, from the bottom of our hearts, appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening, for tuning into this episode. I hope that you got a lot out of it and we're excited to continue to dig deep into these topics that really mean a lot to us and that we have clearly a lot to say about. Yes. And don't forget, hey, you got this.